many people have stories I can tell you personally between when my brother died to date I have attempted suicide 10 times Oh wow Yeah so for me to be this passionate about it mm. there is a story I have lived Um this was a hard one guys um I found myself every time I've had to talk about my brother with someone who knew him or with somebody who has also lost a loved one I usually find my myself shaking and with this one I was shaking for most of the conversation I don't know if you could tell Sarah but as we were talking i was shaking um i tried to like control myself and hold myself together i don't know if you could tell sarah but um yeah i was shaking um it's like i don't know why it happens but every time i talk about my brother with someone else especially anybody who knew him or somebody who can relate of course Sarah didn't know my brother but she can relate and it felt like she understood so when she started to talk about her own experience it just took me back to mine and i was shaking so this was a hard interview especially in the beginning um yeah so my guest today is also a friend from high school and it felt really nice just to catch up and meet the woman that she's become so i'm really excited for this one um yeah see you on the episode hello there and welcome to the coco butter junkie podcast i'm michel and this is my podcast This is a podcast on the everyday reflections and experiences of a Kenyan woman. It is my examination of life living through mental health issues, grief, growing up aka kicking and screaming into adulthood, the experiences of being a woman in Kenya, making friends as an adult, struggles with faith, and a bunch of other topics. Thank you for listening. before we begin um we tried in the beginning to record on the anchor app like the last episode but i think the internet just failed us so i gave up on that and we decided to just um make a regular phone call and i recorded it on another device so it will sound like a phone call um so and um i did not do this in the wardrobe as usual so there are background noises um uh, my family is in the background so you will hear maybe a door banging or somebody walking or people talking or music playing so that those are just the sounds of my family in the background um you may also hear a dog barking or like crickets in the background <laughs> We did this at night. Um so yeah there will be background noises.
So my name is Margaret Sarah Muya. If you knew me before campus, you probably know me as Sarah Muya. If you knew me after I wedded, you probably know me as Margarita Sarah Imbiaha. I am also Mama Waridi. I have a 13-year-old little, not so little girl. I am the first of three girls raised by a single mom. I work as a risk manager. I have been working for the last eight years. Um, my educational background, I am pretty much predominantly mathematics. I had a bachelor's in actuarial science, then a master's in mathematical mm. finance, and I hope to do a PhD soon in mathematics. Yeah, that's mm. pretty much me. Oh, and I, how I know Michelle, we were in the same class in high school, actually, I think from form one to form four. Um, I was at Delton, so was she. Yeah. So I'll just get right into it. Okay. Yeah. So you told me you've also lost a brother. Yes, I did mm. when I was in class five. Mm. Um, he was hit by a car mm. when we were coming from church. You're coming from? When we were coming from church along Langata Road. Mm. And whoever hit him was overlapping on the wrong side of the road. Mm. Uh, later on, we came to find out that it was a mechanic. Mm. He left their car with a mechanic to fix it and then take it back to them. Mm. So I think the mechanic, after knocking down the kid, he panicked and drove off. Mm. Yeah, it 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 was a very interesting season because that was in 97. By end of 98, my parents had actually separated because of that. How old were you at this point? I was 11. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. What was that like? Sorry? What was that like? It was very crazy. Mm. It was was traumatizing for me because I was the one Um, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> is it something you have you have processed? Have you talked about it with, with like your siblings or like your mom? I've talked about it with a therapist. Okay. I don't think as a family we ever got to that point of saying, "Okay, yo, you guys, let's let's process this together." Mm. No one ever. My mom was too sore, mm. and then it led to the separation, which led to the divorce. So mm. she wasn't about that conversation. My my dad, who was my stepdad, mm. my mom for one reason or the other. Mm. So for me, I had to see a therapist mm. to just have a conversation, like how about it? Because I kept feeling. I remember, like the most frustrating thing was mm. after he was knocked. I was holding him in my hands, and I was trying to stop people on the road to help me take him to hospital. And mm. nobody was stopping at Google. Mm. Langata Road, middle of the day. Mm. 
I remember there was a lady who turned away and covered her face. So it was getting heavy. Mm. And my mom was teaching at Sunshine. So I put him down. Um, the scene of the accident is the current location where Amref is before they built it there. Mm. So I I ran to Sunshine. I asked the driver to come with me to help me take him to hospital. By the time we got there was um, an army vehicle that had come. And so they asked the driver from Sunshine to take him to Memorial Hospital. And then they took me home. The cops took me home. So like for days, because I kept, when they came and said the baby had died, he was three. Mm. I kept feeling if someone had just stopped, as in if someone would have just tried to help like a minute earlier, maybe he would have survived. So for me, it was traumatizing, yeah. So at what point did you find find out he had died? When we got home, um, the school van that had taken him to Hosi, mm. I think immediately they go to Hosi, checked him, they found out there was no pulse and stuff. So mm. he was released to go back to school. So on his way back to Sunshine, he passed by home to let my parents know that the boy had died. Oh, wow. So yeah. Do you remember what that first night was like? Hey, crazy. Mm. I, I, I thought I'd go crazy. I went to my mom's friend, mm. a colleague of hers, because I couldn't sleep. So I went to sleep there. Just, I, I think I was just disillusioned. I didn't know what to think. I, I thought my mom would be angry at me. Mm. I wish I could have done more. The house was so somber, as in I just couldn't stay in the house. Mm. So I just moved and went and stayed at um, the lady's place for that night. And then now the next day, my mom came for me. Mm. What about your sisters? So this was my my immediate follower. Mm. My sisters had not been born. It was just me and him at that point. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. But do they do they know about him? They've had. Yeah, they've had. Okay. Yeah. So you guys have never talked about it, like you and your mom. No. Okay. Yeah. Where do you think your parents split? Um, after the burial, there was just a lot of blame. Mm. Uh, so, okay, both of them met in church. Mm. My mom was a navigator. My dad was a Sunday school teacher, my stepdad, that is. Mm. Um, so they met during mission work. Mm. But then when it happened, uh, things start coming up. Before the burial, apparently, my stepdad called his folks who are Lejo Marias. Mm. And they were doing stuff in the house. So, mom is like, it's your fault. Your family must have, must have sacrificed this kid as your first kid. Mm. No, just stuff like that. Mm. So, I probably didn't understand much of it. But that was, in my understanding, that was like the beginning of the end. Because after that, there was just a lot of noise. Sometimes he'd come home, not for the food, until my mom gets home. Then she yells. He was just sleeping in the house, mm. and he's not giving cash for food, as in things that were just not adding up in my head. Like, now why would he, why would he do that? Mm. Yeah. yeah. I think I also saw that with my parents. 
Um, wow. Although they're still together, but after my brother died that first year, I think I really, I saw them really struggle. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I think also at some point, I actually thought they were going to split because I don't know, they just seemed like they were not getting along. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it must really be hard on a parent to like lose a child. And I think it's harder, especially when, you know, come on into Mgonjwa, you have time to process. Mm. But when it's an accident or someone was killed, you don't have that chance to process that this is likely to happen. Mm. I've done my best. Mm. Any, this just occurs on you and you have no control. You have no one to blame. <laughs> mm. Like one minute they're there, the next minute they're not there. Yeah, so mm. I think it's especially on spouses when you're sitting there, you're looking at each other, and you don't honestly don't have an explanation for why things are the way they are. Mm. So with the therapist, do you do you actually talk about the stages of grief? So first time I went to see the psychiatrist, I was in class eight, but then it was presented. My mom took me to him. Was he was going to pray for me? He was a psychiatrist, yes, mm. trained psychiatrist, mm. but he was also the intercessory team at Nairobi Baptist, and that's how my mom knew. So she was advised it would be good for him to have a chat with me mm. and then to pray for me. So I think my mom leaned more on the praying part. So we didn't really get to build, and then I think the assumption of I was a child. So Going through the steps of grief was not exactly how it was presented until now, much later in 2017. Now I have a full-on episode where I have to be dead for a while. Mm. And then before I get on medication, I'm told why I'm on medication and why things I'm feeling the way I'm feeling about stuff. Yeah. Do you do you think um grief like happens in stages? Like for me, I haven't really felt like I have gone through those stages. Has it been like that for you? For my brother, yes. Mm. I think one because I think because of culture, when someone dies for crying, they actually distract mm. so that you talk you need to put yourself together consistently. And if there were stages for me now, reflecting on it, I guess I've been a lot of depression because and then I'm not allowed to express myself the way I feel at that point. I become, I grow up to be too mature. I hang out with older people. Mm. I immerse myself in reading and So this is the point where technology failed us and we gave up recording on the Anchor app and just decided to go with a regular phone call. So the story continues from this point onwards on a phone call. So you were saying um, you, you really have not gone through the stages of uh, grief? Not when, not that time when I was younger. Until now, I was much older and I had to go through the full therapy after my full-blown episode. Mm, okay. 
Okay. Uh, for cause, like for me, I I, I think I'm still at anger. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know if I've ever moved. Uh-huh. Do you feel like you've like like the the typical um stages? Which, which where where do you think you are? Do you think like you finally accepted? Are you still at shock? Where do you think you are? I to be honest, I think I was angry for like fifteen years from when he died. That's that's. Nineteen ninety seven plus fifteen. That was what twenty two twenty twelve, and we were in LD for high school. Then after that, we went to Manseno. I was out of Nairobi. Mm. He was actually buried in Nairobi. So every time I keep telling myself, mm. I'll go to his grave for the last time so that I have closure. And then when I finally decide I'm going to go, I'm told. Normally at Langata, after five years of burying your 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 loved one, mm. you actually bury someone else on top after five years. So I figured, ah, I won't even know it is because the stone won't be there. I won't even know. Mm. So it kind of ish forced me to accept that. Okay, I've I've had my moment to dwell on it, but it is what it is. And unfortunately, I don't even have anything to hold on to. The other thing that helped to move on was when my folks officially now divorced, I think I figured my stepdad is the one who had mobile. So the less I had the anger, mm-hmm. the less, the more I was able to process. Because the more they fought and tried to blame, mm-hmm. the more I also tried to blame something. But once the noise stopped in my ears, it got to a place where, you know, mom keeps saying, it's God's will, it's God's will. So mm. I, I got past being angry at God, like, why did you pick my family out of all the other families? Mm. Then you you made my parents break up. But I think at that point in retrospect, I'm like, hey, after now understanding the stuff my mom was going through mm. with my stepdad and having come this way, mm. and even just thinking, even if my bro had gone to Hosi on time, he'd probably have been a cabbage for the rest of his life. So probably the way it ended was the best way it could end. Not the best process, but it is just what it is. And, and I think at that point, I just let it go. And you can't even really know if he would have survived in hospital anyway. Exactly, exactly. But before that, I remember every year I'd have like a memorial for myself. I'd write in my journal and, you know, until that 2012 when I just realized I can't go and see his his cemetery, mm. it just chat something. Mm. I felt bad, but then it was just like a reality check, like, chick, that, that's done. It's sealed. Mm. How do you think that affected your relationship with your mother, not being able to talk about it? Um, It's funny, being a firstborn, eh? You kinda are forced to to be like a crutch. <laughs> mm-hmm. I get you, Kabisa. Yeah, for mm-hmm. your parent as well, because in as much as I'm hurting, I'm very cognizant of the fact that she's probably hurting more, given that was her child and she's lost her husband. I mean, it's it could be worse. So a lot of perspective, but then. It also drew us apart a bit because now I realized 
growing up for the first 10 years of my life it was just me and her and she was like really my best friend i could tell her anything anytime then i realized there are things i shouldn't tell her because they will hurt her and there are things i can't tell her because she may not be in a place to take it so i start that's when i started journaling and just finding another place to exhale have you found journaling to be helpful very i still do my hubby thinks i'm crazy mm. i have like six active journals mm. <laughs> mm. yeah but i really find it um i find it very refreshing previously it was just for thinking um then going through discipleship in church i figured that's the easiest way for me to pray mm. because it helps me to go back and actually especially when i'm feeling discouraged to just go back and reaffirm what god has actually done you know sometimes you pray and you feel like god doesn't do but when you go back to your prayers they can see i have marked eight out of 10 things i've been praying for mm-hmm. ah, for sure god has been answering so you feel like your relationship with god uh, did it improve or um like did it get worse or did you like now start doubting god it improved significantly it improved significantly past past the not understanding um so I, i had previously before i lost my bro i had gone through a phase my mom being a navigator mm-hmm. they used to do discipleship so i had been discipled as a church uh, as a child when mm-hmm. growing up and i had gone through that season of why is god a man mm-hmm. why is god a spirit and not a human being Why is God a mzungu and not a mwafrika? You know, those mm. questions. And why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? So I had I was mature enough to know that God is still God in spite of the things we see. I think the unfortunate part of being a child was I actually thought actually believed God owed me. So that was the fight I was having with God. Like why did you let this happen? You had the control. I have been faithful. I pray. Why did you because I felt like he actually allowed it to happen mm. on that particular day. This person was on the wrong side of the road. Why didn't you just protect my brother from it? Oh wow. It's like you're in my head. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've also had the same questions. Yeah. The exact same questions like why did you allow in fact um I've really been struggling with my faith these last few years. Yeah. Yeah, because it's it's like felt like God owed me that like me I've yeah. been like I've really been good. Why did you yeah. let this happen? Yeah, it's true. And mm. and you know just telling God I will not be job. I I'm not about saying you're not God anymore. Mm. But may you're not being fair. Do you think you were depressed in high school? I think I was especially in form 2 thinking about it and my performance really was the worst in form 2 I remember many times being caught in the loo by the teacher on duty crying for one reason or the other or for no reason at all yeah yeah many times many times and the many times I'm sure you guys used to wonder why did um Mr. Bet used to call me to his office all the time. Mm. I think thinking about it I think he knew I was. Mm. Yeah. Oh wow. I do, do you think um do you think teachers in 
like te- high school teachers should be trained or just all teachers should be trained on how to identify like mental health issues with children. I think, yes, I think all of us should be. You know the way in in Kampo you told HIV 101 is a mandatory unit. Mm. I think it should be part of the curriculum because there are a lot of people I can tell even in the corporate world I've been asked like two years ago to fire someone from my team. And I had a bitter argument with the HR and I said, it is not the solution. This person has a problem deeper than what you're doing. Mm. You're taking a shortcut because that's what what's convenient for you. But this person really needs help. And there are so many situations. Think about, you know, people in class who used to just be stubborn. Tunashindwakwani. This person, Kwani, they always just want to cause trouble. I know, yeah. <laughs> now that I think about it, maybe they they had some some mental health issues yeah, that we didn't even yeah. realize. Mm. So I think I really think, especially for teachers nurturing um, kids that age in teenage, mm. I think it would be it would make such a difference if they had some level of training to just. Be able to identify, work with someone, because then it really helps you to avoid some mistakes. Because at that point, remember, you're also trying to find your identity and you're prone to very many mistakes. Leaving high school, you know, dating, it really affected my dating choice. I never dated at all until 18. Mm. And when I dated, the guy I dated was just a douchebag. Yeah, you know, so I think it would have made a big difference. Yeah. Like if my mom was just waiting to say, I know mommy, we've had a hard five years, but there is a way we can get out of it. So um, let's fast forward. Now you're a grown up. Mm-hmm. And then um, yesterday you were telling me that um, everything was going okay. And then you go to the doctor and you have to, to go on medication. Yeah. Mm, tell me about that. Um. So I, the first time mm. I I finished my thesis, I was at Strathmore doing my masters, and I stayed at Nairobi West. So I did my defense on a Friday. On Monday morning, I woke up. The dishes were dirty. So I picked. I I wanted to pick the plates to remove them from the sink so that I can start washing. And one plate dropped and broke, and I couldn't take it. I cried. I I called my mom. I was shaking. I was. I could not comprehend. Mm. Like something shattered in my brain. I remember I had tights on. I put on rubber shoes and a jumper, and I went to Nairobi West Hospital and just sat there and mm. wept. Mm. So they they called the the psychiatrist. Who told me I can't go back home? So I, I tell him I have a child. She's just gone to school and it's just the two of us. So I can't really not go back home. Mm. So he asked me for my mom's number. My mom came, picked my daughter. That's how, that's the first time I got admitted. However, I didn't agree with his diagnosis. Because the first time, that time I was admitted, they said it was psychosis. So I talked to my doctor friend and I told him I've been given this medication and they said psychosis. What's that? And he said, no, I've known you for a while. I know you've not been well, but no. 
Mm. But anyway, I accepted and took the medication for three months. But then it wasn't getting better. It was the side effects were terrible. I couldn't go to work. I just, it's like my system shut. So one day I just stopped taking them cold turkey. Oh, okay. Yeah. So during that season, though, I had um, a very strong support. My mom and mm. a friend of a family friend of ours who's also a navigator missionary who used to come to my place every single day to check on us. And I remember he used to come and just read the Bible, make sure you've eaten. Then he reads for me one verse every mm. day. Mm. And he told me, I know you won't even believe it now. I know you may not even understand it now, but I just want you to listen um, because faith comes by hearing mm. and that's all I can do for now. So I think having that faith, that consistency kind of gave me strength to start indulging life. Um, um, I want to take you back a bit. Uh-huh. Um, do you remember the events of like the previous few months before you had that first breakdown? Yeah. <laughs> I was engaged to my now current husband. I was engaged. We were planning for a wedding. We had booked venues. <laughs> we had done everything pretty much. Then we disagreed. What I thought was not so serious, he thought was very serious, but we disagreed and he called it off. And I remember that day I had an exam. And I sat in my room just thinking, I can't. I I totally can't do this exam. Mm. So I called my lecturer and I tell him, I think I'll defer. I'll take the unit next time. And he told me, Margarita, you've come too far. You go write whatever. We'll look for the marks. If you fail, you tried. If you pass, you'll graduate. So, nika jiongelesha, nikaenda. And I remember I was the first one to leave the exam room because it got to a point, like I'd write the formula, I'd fill in, I'd get to a point, and then I just feel tired. I can't go on anymore. Mm. I go to the next. I just made sure I wrote something for every question. Mm. Then I left. Thankfully, I passed. I got a B, which was <laughs> unbelievable. I actually didn't think I, I was expecting a fail. And when the results came out, it kind of gave me strength to keep going because then I had also started my research work. So seeing my results, I was like, ah, I can keep pushing. I'll mm. actually make it. So we broke up for a whole year. We did for a whole year. Um, he probably started coming back a month after my graduation in 2017. So that was like uh, before the breakdown or before when we, when you guys got back together? After. After. Okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. So there, there was a second time you were admitted. Yes. Mm. So after we got married, so the events were, I graduated in June of 2017. Mm. In October of 2017, I got a new job as a manager. Um. In December of 2017, I got engaged again. Mm. In March of 2018, we wedded. Very beautiful ceremony. Then between March of 2018 and June, I was in amazing 
physical pain mm. every day for no particular reason i had headaches and backaches that were unexplainable so one day my husband just told me we have to go and see like we have to go for consultation for someone who knows what they are doing we can't just go for general a general physician so we went for a doctor who referred us to a psychiatrist and she said we have an option to admit margarita to observe her for a week um or you can go home with her she takes some medication then you come back after a week and my hubby was like no we are admitting her what did he see that um made him say made made him tell you to go see a specialist so yeah so now this is what he's explaining to the doctor i am actually i know margarita to be a very strong person i have never seen her in so much pain mm. like i have for the last three months and i can't explain why so i think well i thought it was just being a guy and wanting to fix everything but i think seeing me in that much pain it was the backache then the headaches then the amount of medication i'm taking the strength at some point he's asking the doctor okay so this medication it's not working anymore is there something stronger mm. and the doctor says now beyond this point she has to be coming for an iv every other day eh? mm. at that point he said no this something has to give so um what made the doctor tell you to go see a psychiatrist because um you're in physical pain but then she, he or she tells you to go see a psychiatrist um that doesn't make sense yes mm. and even to me i was like why because i'm not i was really at a good place as in my life was somehow very well placed at that point okay i'm supposed to be in a good place because i think mm. all these outward <laughs> things you'd think yeah. they'd make you happy <laughs> but then somehow mm. it's not really what you want to feel happy so i think the way she explained it and what made me even accept to go was she told me she worked abroad for a while mm. and when they have um a patient who's on med- any medication for more than three weeks they actually also by default just put them on antidepressants mm. so I, i asked her why she said generally someone who's on medication for a prolonged period of time the meds kind of take a toll on you so in her opinion it may have been she was saying it may be nothing or it could be something developing but just to rule out because we've been on painkillers forever and it's not resolving and we've had mris and there's nothing showing Mm. Let's just let's just hear what the psychiatrist says then we know how to progress. So basically there's nothing physically wrong with you. Yes. I'm just in pain that is unexplainable. The other thing my hubby used to complain about is I'm generally an indoors person. Hmm. So every, yeah, so every time he'd be like, "So you get friends, you go hang out." I'm just like Do I have to? <laughs> mm, Sarah, you are not an indoors person in high school. <laughs> oh my god, I am such a like the biggest fights I have with all my friends who call me their friend is that I don't visit at all. They don't feel the need to Michelle. <laughs> yeah, I get you as an introvert. I totally understand. <laughs> But I think at that point mm. maybe I was choosing not to be an extrovert because 
that being an extrovert was the picture I always put out for guys to think I'm okay. Oh, a mask. Yes. Yeah. So I'm getting to a point where ah, I'm doing life. I don't I I don't need to put any faces for anyone. Mm. I'm just because I don't talk to people, I don't have to entertain. I won't I won't go, I won't do. So every time he'd be like we meet campus friends, let's go hang out with them. I'd show, I'd show up kidogo and then I'd just be like, you'll find me at home. <laughs> yeah, so I think he thought he thought it was weird because he also found we met, say, 10 years ago when I was life of the party. I, I had a season when partying, drinking and out was the thing that healed me. <laughs> So he was just wondering, the, the change was so drastic, he just couldn't explain it. For me, I thought it was normal because I felt I'm settling down, you know, getting married and um, work was a bit intense. I just, for me, my thinking was, I'm just coming home, I need to rest because tomorrow is another day. Okay, so you go to the psychiatrist and then? So we go to the psychiatrist and she admits us. Like, um, wait first. Um, so she just looks at you and tells you, uh, you're, you're getting admitted. The, no she test, asked, nothing. She, yeah, no tests, no tests at all. She just asked me, tell me what you have been doing the last one year. And I do. And she says, you seem to be at a very good place. And I said, yeah. And she said, for that reason, we are admitting you. Hiya. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. What yeah. do you mean? Mm. Uh, and she says the fact that you're not okay and you think you're okay in itself is a problem. But the fact that you've been in pain and you're seemingly supposed to be at a good place is also a problem. So she wanted to put me on medication and then also observe me and also introduce me to um therapist the psychologist to just have a better understanding of where I'm coming from and where I'm where I am. So this is in 2017, Bado? That's 2018 now. Mm. Yeah, so I was at Mata for a week. What was that first night like? I was heavily sedated, so after not sleeping for a very long time, mm. for the first time I I slept Michelin in Lilala. I slept like I shut down my whole system just I slept completely and I remember waking up the next day feeling tired I think the meds I wasn't eating much so I think I was also put on meds for eating so at least the next day I ate and then we started the the therapy with the psychologist on that day mm. on the second day now what was the first session like I was in denial because mm, I'm thinking when you're telling this psychiatrist, hey, everything in my life is okay. It's like, yeah. you're telling her, me, I don't need to be here. Me, I'm good. Yeah. So me, I was in denial because she's trying to ask me, so why don't you have friends? Then I asked her, when everyone has to have friends. Mm. <laughs> I had a logical response for everything she asked. Mm. In, in my head, I thought it was logical. So I, I didn't get why she was insisting. I, I didn't get why... It couldn't just be okay to not have friends or to not want to go out. Mm. So I remember her first assignment was go and make a friend. And I got home on that weekend and I sat and I cried because I realized 
I don't even know how to socialize, live alone, making a friend. Mm-hmm. And yeah. <laughs> okay. And thinking about it, so my husband is asking me, and Nani, I'm like, ah, she's not mature enough. She's not someone I can share with this this part of my life. Mm-hmm. And this other person, I'm like, yeah, kona mashida mingi. She needs me more than I need her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then it just got to a point where I'm like, see, you just be my friend. To see some more, yeah. As in, let's not complicate it. Mm. But it really hit hard that when I thought it was normal, thinking about it intensively, it wasn't. I was, it was not a normal state. Because mm. just as you're saying, I'm very. I used to be very easy to socialize with. Um, very easy to make people feel comfortable. As in, it, it was um the easier person like in our family to socialize with. And then now I find myself in a place where I don't even have the strength to go out to shop. So it was a journey thinking about it intentionally, making intentional decisions. So uh, with that, I also realized I had replaced some necessary things with with stuff like work. Mm. So very well at work, but also because I was overworking. And for me, it felt okay because I was seeing the results, you know, going to work and my boss is happy and my boss's boss is always saying how Margarita is thriving. Mm. It made me feel nice. So it kind of made me, f- made it feel okay, even if another part of my life wasn't quite working. What were you trying to escape? Yeah, I I figured I I wasn't ready to deal with it, Michelle. How do you, how do you respond to someone telling you go make friends? Mm. I I don't know. And then you actually think about it and you realize, counting on one hand, I I don't know. I have no response, and I don't know how to even start. Let me just do what I know how to do. So did you go back after the first assignment? I went back because oh, after how long? I had to go back for the next one because after that week I was going to see the psychiatrist. Mm. So I couldn't keep yes. Mm. So I went back, we had a conversation. Um, so she was asking me why I have blocked people. I, I think I have logical explana- explanations why people can't be my friends. But in her opinion, she thinks I have intentionally blocked people from my life. How annoying is that? <laughs> I know. So just, just getting to the point of saying, okay, to be honest, part of the reasons why I stopped keeping friends was it got complicated to start explaining some things when I want to just allow myself to break down and I don't know one person who's been through depression or who would know what to say about depression, you know, and it's just easier to not have that conversation. So I remember even her asking me, what about your mom growing up? You sounded like you're very close. And I told her, after talking to you, it is obvious I need treatment. Mm. Talking to my mom and she says I need prayers is very conflicted. Mm. So I also have to decide for myself which which argument I want to have. Mm, choose your battles. Yeah, I, I have to choose my battle because, you know, mom won't relent. So are there any other misconceptions you had about therapy, like the first time you went? 
Um, I remember after that first session, then going to see the psychiatrist, I had a big struggle with the medication. You know the way you think there was a malaria, utameza for one week, then mm, you'll be fine. Mm. And we've done this for one month. And then this psychiatrist tells me, now I'm going to put you on, we're going to reduce this. So expect this um, side effects over the next two weeks. Mm. And then this other one you're going to take for six months. And mm. I'm like, what? Are you really saying I'm crazy? And she says, hey, we have to kind of kind of reset your, your brain. Because this has been happening over time. It it won't just get fixed overnight. So that was a struggle. And at some point she became harsh and told me, you know what? If you're not ready, let's not even start. Because mm, you won't take the medication. Yeah, because it won't help you at all. If you're not ready to go through with it, mm. you take your time, think about it, then you'll come back and tell me. So when I realized she actually meant it, I said, okay. Let's take for six months. So mm. I asked after the six months, can I get off? She said, we'll see. Mm. <laughs> Not so encouraging. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But we, we did the six months. Then we did, we did another six months. And then finally, I, I went, I went and told her I want to have a baby. And I wanted to know if the meds will have side effects before people behave. Yeah, usually they tell you if you want to have a baby, please let us know. <laughs> yeah. So she says the medication is not known to affect the baby, mm. but it's better off if I'm not on medication. So I asked her, in your opinion, do you feel like it's time I can get off? And she kept quiet for a while. And she just told me, I'd really hate to start from scratch again. You've mm. come such a long way. And even just that being pregnant could be what tips you back. So that was also a season. That was last year, July. I was so anxious. I felt like it was time to have the baby. But then I was also so scared of a relapse. Yeah, but then we just we prayed. We decided, ah, let's get off the meds. I told her I'll be as careful, and she said, the the moment you feel anything, tell me we put you back on meds, as in we just better be safe than sorry. Mm. So, fortunately, I I wasn't expectant yet until sometime in December, and I actually didn't know I was expecting until, until no, I, I, I conceived in November, then I discovered sometime end of December. Now, what made me actually realize is because all the symptoms were back. Mm. So I was I was calling her to tell her I'm not okay. And she asked me what, what's been happening in your life the last couple of weeks. So I, I just told her me and my hubby have been fighting. I don't know. Just nonsense stuff. And she said, come see me. But before you come, take a pregnancy test. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, I did go and see her, but then it was positive, I was pregnant, so she just told me it must be the hormones, and put me on medication for two weeks, then after that I was okay. Let's talk about the side effects. How many medications have you been on, and what were like, the side effects? Wow! Okay, so so I can break it 
special for sleep. Um, there's a season of just lacking sleep because the brain would shut down. Then there's the poor feeding, so you get medication for feeding. Then there is medication for keeping you awake because the medication for sleeping is so strong. <laughs> <laughs> and then there is the medication for treatment. So generally for for a long time, and then you get wind off. Like so, some of it is once you start taking, then you start going through um, behavioral therapy where they train you on how to teach your body to sleep. For example, so one of the things I had to give up was taking tea at night, and I was a serious addict. So I had to completely stay away from tea leaves for a whole month. And then now introduce it back, but only one cup a day for breakfast. So that by the time it gets to bedtime, there's no caffeine in my body. Mm. Then um, getting into bed by 9.30, even if you're not sleepy, so that the brain starts getting used to this is when we start falling asleep. And then now finding other things like don't be on your phone, don't watch TV in bed, or don't be with your laptop. So for me, what I what worked for me, because I used to read, mm. she told me instead of reading, to listen to podcasts. Mm. So actually, that's when I started listening to podcasts. So generally, you'll find I'll pick a long podcast, and then because of the monotone of the voice, I'll somehow just drift along. Which one is your favorite? My favorite for the longest time has been Oprah Winfrey. Mm. To personal conversations, mm. um, I've stumbled upon others. I am, um, <laughs> I am really driven by Kina Miles Munro and John Maxwell stuff on leadership. But then I've also been reading other stuff about mental health, like fuck my mind. Mm. <laughs> I don't, yeah. Mm. So just generally topics that would interest me. Like for me, I found the side effects, uh, but I don't know if you've experienced this, I would have really crazy dreams and they would be so vivid. Yeah. When I woke up in the morning, I was like, uh, did that happen? Am I, that was a dream. You actually imagine you are in the dream re- in reality, yeah? Mm. Yeah. Did, you, did you also get migraines? I got migraines and I had palpitations like my heart beats so hard, I can't, like, I hear them, the, the heart beat in my head. Mm. I shut it down. And the other side effect I had was cravings for banana. Oh, yeah, that's a strange one. <laughs> imagine I'd eat a whole bunch of 10 bananas in a day. Hiya. Yep. That's a strange one. How come? <laughs> I've never had that one because I think I've watched many videos. Yeah. I've never had that one. So I even asked the doctor, is it bad? She says it's probably just the system trying to replenish potassium. Okay. But since it's food, it's okay. And mm. um, given that I was having trouble eating, any any food was okay for her. Yeah. So eh, it was it was an interesting season. But the side effects could be could be um, what do you call them? Tremors. Have you ever met someone who's been on drugs? Eh? And they're shaking, shaking. Yes. Mm. The 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 hour before you take the next um, dosage. Mm. Oh my gosh! It feels like you're actually a draggy. Oh wow! Like you, like your body really needs it at that time. Yeah, yeah. Mm. as in 
badly. I, you're, the way they, you, you see them on movies, you're restless. You can't sit, you can't stand. Mm. You feel like scratching, you're shaking, everything. Oh, wow. For me, it was like I couldn't be late taking the medication. Like if I took it like 10 minutes late, mm-hmm. I would get a bad headache for like the whole night. Wow. So I had to take it at the exact same time. <laughs> if I forgot, wow, wow, I would get really, really bad headaches. And I would, I wouldn't, wouldn't even sleep. Uh, mm. And you're feeding and sleeping. Okay, now, now my feed, my, my sleep really improved. I would sleep, uh, and even if I woke up at night and I was worried, I, I would like. It was easier to calm myself down back to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And then when I was really, really anxious, I, it was easy to calm myself. And when I was depressed, it was like, it like lifted me for, I don't know, I don't know what, what the right word is, like, mm. but I wasn't too sad. Mm. Yeah. I don't know if, if you experienced that. Yeah. I think for me, what stood out was more on dwelling on issues, eh? When something is bothering me, for I really just couldn't shake it off. Like, I cannot just stop thinking about that thing. Mm. But after taking meds, you find... Yeah, it bothers me for like five minutes and then I get easily distracted. Something else will come and my mind is willing to let go of what was bothering me. So are you still in therapy at the moment? Um, I haven't been to therapy since March. How come? Because of Corona. Ah, um, okay. Yeah, but the therapist called me and told me now they have online. But previously, I used to go every other week, even if it's just to say hi to her. <laughs> she used that I'm okay. Mm. Yeah. How how has it helped? Um, I'm more self-aware, much more self-aware. Like even when something is bothering me, um, I'm able to process. I'm able to decide on my response before I actually react and to contain myself. You know, the way like you could easily get so angry in Paka, you're like, okay, am I still angry because of this thing that was bothering me or now I'm just really angry and I don't know why. So it's it's helped because having that conversation with someone who gets why it could agitate me more than it would normally agitate a normal person kind of puts things into perspective. And I remember when I got this new therapist, her biggest issue with me was she thinks I am a perfectionist. And she keeps asking me, why do you feel like everything has to go your way? And mm. I keep asking, why do you think it shouldn't go my way? If I put all the effort that is required, mathematics doesn't fail. Mm. You can yeah. control it. Yeah. Mm. So for me, that growth of knowing that sometimes you'll do everything and the ducks won't just follow the road. It's okay. So I'm willing to accept people more for who they are. I am willing to negotiate more. I am willing to walk away from things that irritate me more. It was just, it just made it a little easier to process a lot of stuff. So what is like a bad day on depression like for you? It's been a while, but a bad day would be, I can't live with it. For my hubby, that's normally a telltale sign. When I leave the office and come and get into bed and I won't eat and I won't talk and I don't feel like sharing, eh? 
Mm, showering, yeah. <laughs> he just knows something is off today. So learning to know those signs and actually accepting his help when I'm in that space. Because mm. previously I'd be in that space and just shut down from him as well. So of course for him it would be frustrating because he doesn't know what to do with it and he doesn't know how to help me. So a lot of times he'd really walk um, around me with, on like walking on eggshells. So now the therapy was telling me mm. it helps it helps to consciously know that someone gets you. Yeah. Mm. So you know, you're sure he doesn't get, but let him help where he can. Mm. And it makes a difference because he he probably won't understand even why kitu imenibo sana, but when you know, uh, instead of watching Futa, he's come and sat with me in the bedroom and just, let's watch a series. I know you don't feel like getting out of bed, but let's let's watch the series in, in bed. Mm. And at some point, you just find yourself talking or something. It helps a lot. And I think even for the relationship, it's really helped us a lot because I see him more accepting of those days. Yeah, he doesn't struggle with them as much. Mm. When it comes... You brace yourself for it, you know it will pass. Yeah. Yeah. It always passes. Yeah. Yeah. So have you spoken to your daughter about about your condition? Yes, I had to. I had to in 2017 because I think it was really hard for her to see me like that when it was just the two of us. Mm. Especially because she would think she's done something. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Mommy said because I've done something. Mm. Mommy, I promise tomorrow I won't disturb you. Mm. Yeah. And I realized she's blaming when it's really not her fault to start with. But number two, the fact that she's exposed to me like this, mm. I don't know what effect it has on her. Mm. So I really wanted her to be present to the fact that it is normal and when it happens, you need to talk about it. Yeah. So does she come talk to you when you're like having a bad day? And what do you say? Yeah, what what do you tell does. her? She does. So she knows when mommy's having a bad day. Today mommy's not okay. Just leave her alone. So she'll try to be the only one who does stuff for me. <laughs> mm. Mm. If I like tea, she'll keep coming to ask, mommy, can I make for you a cup of tea? Can I come and sit with you? Mm-hmm. So she, she just wants you to feel some warmth so that... Maybe in her head that's all she can do, but she feels like she's doing something. So when you were going for therapy, did you go with your husband or you just went alone? I went with him. Okay. Even on days when I didn't want to go with him. Uh, <laughs> I think that consistency, man, it made a big difference. Because mm. even on days you were not talking. Number session, we will go. He mm. will give feedback. Um, where he feels I'm not being honest with the therapist where he feels I left out some information mm. where he feels there's growth he'd actually give I, for me it felt like he really wanted me to be better yeah so um, if you hadn't gone to the doctor yeah how do you think things would be now? man I am not convinced I'd even still be at work because I don't know how I've survived up to now. The pain, you know, the pain went. Eh? The the severe headaches and backaches went. Whatever was left is was manageable through 
physiotherapy, I didn't have to take medication anymore. But I, I don't know. I don't know how my marriage would have survived. I don't know how my daughter would have been. I think I wasn't at a good place. So let's just say it was God's timing. I'm glad it came when it did. Okay. Yeah. So as Christabel, this question. Yeah. Um, I'm one of those people who believe everybody should at least do therapy, at least once. I don't know. <laughs> what do you think? I agree mm. totally, and not just. And I think maybe the fault that the system presents to us is therapies for sick people. I honestly think not necessarily for sick people, but generally, people would have situations that they can't understand and just need someone trustworthy mm. to talk to. And for me, that's important. Whether it's family your your kid is behaving somewhere and you don't understand the way i know my mom her response would just be to make noise and sometimes it's not really working many times it doesn't work that noise probably my sister is just being a teenager or she's going through her own issues but because she can't think of any other way to resolve this then she'll default to what she knows now for me, I think in every aspect of life, whether work, whether family, whether, I don't know, anything, therapy is important. Even even when you're not, no longer sick, like Michelle, I don't expect you to stop going for therapy. Mm, I don't think I'll stop anytime soon. I think, <laughs> I've discovered I have like so many issues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, like when I, I listen to you and, Christabel talk and even just the mere fact that we went through an education system that expected you to excel at whatever cost, even at your own cost, eh, mm. is a problem in itself because it shows up later in life in other spaces where you become either very hard on your employees or very critical on people or you have um, expectations that are not tenable. And it affects everyone. So yeah. even me having a, a daughter, I have to be very present to the fact that I have gone through these challenges. I need to learn from them mm. so that you can have better or mm. do better. Mm. And it would be so easy to criticize. Why are you not getting 400? And it's funny. We have rules of engagement with her where she says, if I've done my best, the rest I leave to God. And you know when someone tells you that you can't argue? <laughs> yeah. Mm. So it kind of gives you perspective. Mm. Also dealing with other things in life. I've had instances where I made poor money decisions with my family because you feel like uh, you need to help, but sometimes people are taking advantage and the guilt is what is killing you. That's why you're doing the things you're doing. If I didn't get a chance to talk to someone, I don't know. I, I would probably be still making those decisions. I stopped. I stopped doing it. I stopped judging myself. And somehow these people have still survived. Yeah, like you're not God. No, I'm not <laughs> You're not God. Jesus. You can't save people. <laughs> <laughs> so there are some of those realities. And when I went to therapy, I didn't realize it was a struggle I had. Yeah. So would you put your daughter in therapy and at what point? I would put my daughter in therapy from at least age five when she's able to understand or process her own feelings, you know. 
like um when you're praying i listen to what she prays about mm. there are those things you can tell um things that irritate her someone hurt her and then we talk about it like wh- what did you feel when they did this why did it really hurt you think you can forgive them now tell tell signs would be like when she says i'll never forgive this person for sure i know that there's something motivating that response mm. or I'll, i'll never let someone treat me like that or if they do that again i'm also going to revenge mm. so every time i hear a thought that is not grounded in what i have taught her then i am motivated to understand what is the background behind this mm, okay so now i want yeah. us to transition into your work <laughs> So uh, being a data scientist. Yeah. What do you think is the ratio of men to women in your line of work? Wow. <laughs> ah, maybe 1 to 5. Tell maybe me about one. that. What is that like? Oh. Uh, I think generally come having worked with both ladies and gentlemen and having gone to a masters class with both ladies and gentlemen i think generally chicks sell themselves short generally chicks have a fear of sciences and mathematics so there is a joke going around in my circles that auntie sara will be anti mathematics for the rest of us so that they are allowed to do their mba and be okay with it but then i keep challenging them that you're the same person who wants your daughter to get an a in maths Um so for me my biggest motivation was winning just plainly winning whether it was with girls or with boys i just wanted to win so that really drove me why do you think that is <laughs> why mm. why why do you just have to win why well um okay So this is a selfish response taking the way you want. <laughs> I think mm. there is a number one in every sphere of life. Unfortunately, in this life nobody ever remembers the number two. Now I believe I am such a force in this life you cannot you cannot afford not to remember me. So I cannot afford to be number two. Okay. Yeah. So you want to be remembered. Yes. Why? I I I believe I I believe in standing out, I believe in shining, I believe in being an example, being a role model. And I know I don't necessarily have to be number one to be all that, mm. but it gives me that pedestal that I need to make the step. However, mm. I would not hold a gun say to my daughter or my sister and say you will not make it if you're not number one. that's a personal motivation yes okay. it is not necessarily a principle i would hold up for anyone <laughs> yeah okay so generally i think um other than having enjoyed mathematics i enjoyed male company more than female company why 
Mostly cause chicks, one liked gossip, two mostly just talked about boys and I wasn't into relationships much, and three would default to giving up when things were hard. I wanted someone who was willing to try because I was willing to try. I wanted someone who wanted to push the limits a little more because I was willing to do it. And you found and that more men than women were willing to like yes. push? Okay. Yes. So okay. I surrounded myself with the kind of people I wanted to be like. Mm. So did you just like do this because you thought that uh, this is what women think about Ama? Did you actually experience it? It's actually an experience. It's mm. actually an experience because you generally like challenge a chick to even to be a shara about office, even just business. And chicks are like, hey, maybe sell handbags. But when it comes to the really challenging stuff, like challenging stuff like doing um, a serious investment, doing a consultancy, mm. most chicks would work off. Okay, I don't think I agree with you, but let's agree to disagree. <laughs> and I'm not saying all chicks would back off. I'm not saying all, because mm. clearly I'm a chick as well. And probably also my circle was limited. So those are disclaimers I would have to put. But I would not say very limited because, okay, I went to a public campus. So it probably has a good mix of everyone. So if in my class... All chicks, I can tell you, in my actual class from undergrad, we were 37. Seven were girls, 30 were boys. All the chicks, none of them is into business, not one. The guys, at least half are into business. And business that you can say, that's a risk someone took. So generally, I, I am actually motivated by that, someone who's willing to take a risk. Because I kind of tend to feel their thinking is different. The ideas they bring to the table are different. Again, it could be a bias, but my experience. <laughs> okay, because I'm I'm feeling like there's like some self hate apple. I don't know. <laughs> I find that if you like hating on other women, yeah. like there's like something in yourself that you don't like. I don't know, but that's just me. I actually like women who can go beyond. Who can beat that stereotype? Because it's a stereotype even guys have with women. Um, I only choose to to work with the guys because I also won't hold myself back because I'm waiting for you to come on board. Now the idea, if you don't, it's okay. We'll probably meet in other circles. But for this particular venture, let me work with the people who we can work with easily, yeah. Okay. So has there been a situation where something has happened to you? Uh-huh. Seeing as you, like, uh, socialize mostly with men, that has happened to you because you're a woman and has not happened to your colleagues? Um, Many times. I, I, I remember, I think, Jana, I was telling you, or I, I wrote on the class chat that... When I was at UAP, we had a training for the business development team because when you're doing medical insurance, you probably engage with the who's who in most companies. Um, and especially when you go to governments or NGOs, you find most of the time head of finance is a guy. And there's always these stereotypes of this is a chick I am not big, I'm not fat, so you've sent me a child who negotiate with me a hundred million deal. And there's a way they 
tend to behave machik just domineering things mm. and personality things so we had to be equipped for stuff like that if you're not well equipped you end up either feeling really frustrated or really angry with the process so i would say yes because not many chicks would accept to go and negotiate with a guy i did what i had to if if that was the client i got i would go and negotiate um that also means that i was exposed to those kind of people more often mm. than my colleagues and it means i needed to survive more often but it's good because uh other than being feisty it, it gave me the skills to socialize in a different way in the corporate space but doesn't it make you angry like like if you were a guy it would have been easier initially it used to make me angry mm. now it doesn't because mm. i i know why you're doing it mm. and i know you don't know i know mm. and you don't know that i know how to deal with you what what is like one way i could i could deal with such situations So you'd find for example if you are in a meeting of men um and you're introducing people are introducing themselves you'll find that the men want to introduce you instead of you introducing them yeah mm. introducing yourself or you greet people and then the gentleman doesn't let go of your hand mm. like the way you treat a child you say hi and then you hold on to their shoulder yeah it's it's a way of like it's a like a condescending tone or controlling may let you know that you should know your place so beyond that i made a decision that first i will dress the job i'm going for when i'm going for those meetings if you meet me you'll know i'm going for a particular meeting based on the dress i've worn but other than that i don't allow whoever i'm negotiating with to steal my show you have whatever you'll have to say we will not argue because you think you're a man and you can shut me down but once you're done mm. i will put my cards on the table and i will expect you to respectfully listen to me hmm. okay so it kind of requires you to be quite firm as well yeah and then there's a time for that now you're you're like a bitch because now you're yeah. tough yeah of yeah. course yeah <laughs> of course there'll always be a name for that but then at the end of it i am right now a senior manager it means it's under me some respect somewhere but then besides that you know even if i didn't do that there would still be a name for for me it would probably be still a bitch but a lazy bitch so i can't live up to everyone's expectation yeah. i will set the standard for myself and equip myself with the tools i need to reach that standard and execute the downside of of who i am or who i've grown to be some guys think that a feisty woman is very appealing sexually mm yeah so there there are men who'd come at you very differently because you're feisty and for me one uh, okay when you're going to a client place you don't quite get that time to say you're a christian at my workplace they know my stand and of course being a christian doesn't stop someone from making a pass at you but when they have they have surely gotten my stand on it i i don't play games michelle because i know once you start it would be very hard to stop it because you've already created a precedent but more so for me because of my respect as a person 
I don't want anyone to ever think I got to where I did because of favors I got from a guy or because I slept with someone. I, I do what I do. I do it well. I have risen the ranks because of that. And I am willing to cross paths with the boss if he thinks there is any other way of going about it. Has there ever been a time when your work made your mental health worse? Yeah. Mm. Um, before I got admitted the, the second time at MATA, mm. oh my gosh, I had, uh, I had a terrible boss. I hope she doesn't listen to this. I actually hope she listens <laughs> to this because so she's a better guy. I don't think she's ever told by anyone. Okay, she's she's a lady, she's not married, she's like 10 years my senior. I really hoped she'd give me that support when when I fell sick and it was just the opposite. It was such a nasty experience. But to be honest, I can also say that all things work together for good because the many times she tried to present me as lazy and stuff, because I, I was away, I was unwell, she she raised the standard for the who's who in the company to see me. So when you come to NCBA, I'm probably the only Margarita, and even the boss knows me. <laughs> Not because of anything special I am, but because of the two, three things that I was forced to do when I was unwell, because I didn't have support. And I think the worst thing was, it was a woman. You'd expect She'd more be support. kinder. Yeah. It was it was hard. It was hard to you know, every time I used to call my mom and just say, Guy, what am I supposed to do? Like I'm even praying for God to give her a better job so that she's just transferred. Mm. I can't I remember escalating to her boss and she didn't think she was doing anything wrong. So I was just stuck with my own struggle. I had a team I had to protect, so I couldn't also just say I'm resigning. So there's there was a bit of strength that I had to 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 grow through that season. Mm-hmm. But then again, if it wasn't because of her, I don't think I'd be the person I am today. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. All things work together for good. Yeah, maybe I should thank her someday. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> but that is a really rough part, as in. I was so stunned. I was so stunned that a woman would make my life even more miserable. She'd call me at 2 a.m. Sijui, what's not working at work? I'm not an IT guy. Mm. She'd call me from a bar. I'm just like, what? Okay, what am I supposed to do? The next day I told her, I don't work for night shift and my hubby doesn't appreciate it. Mm. She told me, you should know you're not the first one or the last one to get married. I just like okay. Mm. So I have had more trouble with female managers than male. Mm. At least the experience I've had with the male managers, they were more understanding. Okay. So how are you doing now? Um, 
other than being very pregnant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> How's that going? Ah, it's been a journey. It's been an exhausting journey. Um, because of the backaches. Mm-hmm. So the the baby should be coming a month sooner than he was supposed to. Otherwise, I I have had a lot of support from work. I have also enjoyed being pregnant with this husband of mine. He's been very supportive. Um, corona has also been <laughs> interesting. Yeah, I was just about to ask you, yeah, how is Corona treating you? Because you're worried half the time if you get it and you're pregnant, what would happen? Will the child survive? Yeah. I mean, yeah. And sometimes you just default to God protect me. <laughs> Are you going to work? Am I working from home? No, us guys were working from home since March. Okay. Yeah. And then I think from May I was on bed rest mm. up to now. And then now maternity kicks in from next week. Okay. Yeah. So are you doing anything new that you always wanted to do, but you didn't have the time to do? I had planned to, but unfortunately I can't do much. I can't move much because of the backaches. Mm. I'm mostly in the house, in my bed. Mm. But I have done something for my daughter or with my daughter. Um, She's been in boarding school since last year. And for some reason... I was always worried that she's kind of gone, like after class A, then from one, mm. then she's gone. Mm. So I kept feeling like I haven't really gotten a chance to like teach her how to cook, just the things, the little things that girls should know. Um, I know it may sound old school, but I also believe it's a responsibility I have for the sake of someone's son. <laughs> mm. Yeah, so we've been learning how to cook, and she's coming really handy now that I'm not too strong. So at 13 years, and she can cook rice, meat, spaghetti, garlic, veggies, even kenyeji, grill some pork. Uh, I don't know. She can pretty much cook everything except chapu. So I think she can survive. <laughs> yeah. Even those kids should should even just be about her first of all before you think of like maybe a husband in the future. Yes, just for herself. You know, appreciating good food, it's important. So I think for me, if I was to say anything I have achieved during this season is just getting her one to appreciate that she's growing up into a young woman to to learn how to cook. For mm. me, that was important. Yeah. How is your husband doing? He's okay. Super excited about the baby. Um, <laughs> he's also suffering from repercussions of corona because the organization supports the education system, so they've kind of been retrenched t- till January. So right now he's working on it, on his side hustle, but others he's mostly at home with us. Every day, counting days till the baby comes. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think for us, the biggest dynamic has been how I am in a male-dominated career space while he's more laid back. And every time just checking in with him, like, I have this meeting at this corporate and I'm meeting 10 men 
I have to present and I need to put on that red dress. Are mm. you okay with it? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And getting him to understand why I do the stuff I do and getting him to celebrate with me my successes. It's been a different journey and him actually being willing to walk with me that journey. You know, finding someone who's willing to go with you for therapy for me has been amazing. It's not it doesn't come normally for most people. Yeah. Yeah, and I think he's really spurred me on. I remember when we were getting married, mm. I passed on I passed on going to do my masters in the UK because he wanted us to go and do our PhDs together somewhere together. Mm. So someone just holding you accountable, one to God, two to your own career and aspirations and three to the person you are for me that has been that's probably what I needed especially with my mental challenges mm. because there are times I just need someone to hold me accountable to make sure I don't let it go because I'm in a particular mental space yeah how is your mom doing um with your diagnosis she struggled she struggled when I was admitted my husband asked her to come and talk to the doctor so of course she got a chance to argue about being a christian and this mental health thing is and kukwani shetani too but i think she's come to appreciate that even if it is a lie of the devil there's some things that need mental uh, medical intervention to the extent that she has actually gone for therapy herself to Ooh, be able to yeah, yeah to be able to understand the space she's in with her kids and the struggles we've had it's been it's been very different and especially after her going for therapy there's a different appreciation she has for it a different patience um just different i think it made a difference when she got to speak to the doctor and eventually go for therapy. Have you guys compared notes on therapy? So the time she went for therapy was when my immediate follower mm. was was admitted for for substance abuse, mm. alcoholism, and she really struggled because we've been raised in church and she blamed herself. She kept asking what has she done wrong? Thankfully, the psychiatrist was seeing my sister was also a Christian. So after one of those sessions, I asked her to pass through my place just to also see her mental state mm. after all she's had and seeing her grow to a place where she's able to separate my sister's issues from her being a mom and seeing her also being able to see how she may have contributed to where my sister is and actually make an intentional effort to for example talk about stuff and not you know not pray about everything sometimes you need to talk to your children i think it's made a difference mm. and even my sister has actually improved because mom is willing to listen oh good yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I think those are all the questions I have. I don't know. Do you want to add anything? <laughs> any recommendations? Any books? YouTube channel? Podcast? I've been reading Mark Manson, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Mm, I've read that one. <laughs> it's fresh. Mm. It's very fresh. And I'm, 
I've also been reading Simon Sinek on leadership, the infinite game. Okay. Um, this week, I am loving Kina. I decided to jump on that bandwagon. I don't know if you've heard of it. If you haven't, it's available on DSTV, um, one of the Maisha Magic uh, channels. Don't, don't know exactly which one, but I am watching it on Showmax. Um, so I find it really entertaining. <laughs> um, and my favorite characters are... Leo and Mary. Um, I find Leo very, very comical. I don't know why. Um, and Mary also. Mary reminds me of my mom in some ways, and in other ways, she's really comical. Cause one minute she's like, "Oh, Jonah, my boy, I'm so sorry. I called the police on you." And the next minute she's like, "Morning, Wizim Kubwa. There's no bigger thing than you." And for some reason, I always find myself laughing every time Jonah calls Nana Uyushetani. I don't know why. It's just funny. Yeah, it's really funny and it's entertaining. Um, and it's really, it's really good. Um, so I would recommend you watch it. Um, if you have been watching Kina, let me know what your thoughts are on it and who your favorite character is. Um, currently I'm on episode 24 and really enjoying it. That's the episode, guys. Um, Thank you so much, Sarah, for doing this. Uh, this was a really long interview. Um, we talked up to 11 at night. Not everything made it onto the episode uh, because it would have made it too long. But maybe I might include whatever was cut in the next episode. I will link the, this week's recommendations in the show notes. You can check them out. Also, remember to please um, review the podcast wherever you're listening to it. It will really go a long way in helping others uh, listen to the podcast. And also, you'll be supporting me in the process. So, that's the episode, guys. Thank you for listening. And bye.